Hi, I'm Sam Garland. I'm an actor in Brooklyn, New York, and I believe that everyone on this planet is deeply creative. And not only that, I believe that engaging with our creativity is what connects us to our humanity and to our divinity. Whether it's starting a business, homeschooling your kids, cooking, painting, dancing, writing, acting, knitting, gardening, we are all called to express ourselves in myriad, incredibly unique ways. These are our gifts to the world. And yet, and yet, most every artist suffers terribly from self-doubt, from fear of public humiliation, from being too hard on themselves. That's certainly been my journey. I've done a lot of work on why my brain attacks when I'm being creative and how I can let this thing that I'm called to do out into the world. I'm still figuring it out, and I invite you to join me. Hi, my friends. It is wonderful to be back with you, but I have had a day. Um, I really hesitate to talk about this because I hate feeling like I'm complaining, but um, but I'm also just trying to be really real and authentic about where I'm at. So I have had a headache and felt dizzy and slightly nauseous and completely exhausted for about two days now. And I think it's because I went to a couple of outdoor park events over the weekend and caught up with friends. And I am angry at my body and the world and feeling like I'm being punished for being social and trying to be a normal human and have a life, um, which is not at all a useful thought, but sort of where I'm at. And I think part of why is because not only is that going on, but I was at the doctor's today getting blood drawn for other things that we don't understand uh, about my body. And I have like two appointments a week with different doctors for the next few weeks because I have all of these things that are chronic and consistent and um painful, sometimes low-grade painful, sometimes debilitating painful, and not a whole lot of answers. So I'm having a bit of a pity party. And I think there's room to feel really shitty and sad. Um, But I, like, I think, let me say this, I think it's totally valid to feel really shitty and sad and angry. I'm not knocking myself for feeling that way. I just find that when I think that way, I don't want to do anything and it makes me really want to quit. And so a lot of the work that I do on myself is figuring out how do I keep showing up when quitting feels like the easier option or the only option that kind of lets crawl into bed, sign up for a bionic body. I want everything replaced with new parts that don't fall apart. That's always my joke. Um, You know, I don't want to do this today anymore. And if that were an option, that might be a useful thought, but it's not. And so I've been working today on sort of what can I be grateful for? I'm so grateful I've got health insurance. I'm so grateful reading the news out of Afghanistan that I live in a stable government where I'm not persecuted for being female. I know that's a big statement. I know there's lots of complications and nuance to that, but I am really grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful I have food. I'm grateful I have a home. I'm grateful I have AC and can spend the day indoors working and resting and being air conditioned. There are a lot of reasons to be grateful. But I was also thinking about 
you guys as I do and this podcast and this journey as a creative and kind of how this ongoing, incessant searching and meeting doctors, why it feels so defeating. And what I realized was, you know, today I went to a new doctor and I have like three new ones. And so I'm downloading my health history one more time, which is like too many pages to list and too long of a journey and too winding of a road, it feels to me. And and what I realized is the thing that really gets me is that somewhere in the back of my mind in a very unheard subconscious thought, I am thinking to myself, oh, this is the one. This person, this doctor is going to understand how all of these different weird symptoms relate, figure out what the hell is going on that my body is trying to tell me that I can't make sense of and help me fix this. And in reality, what happens is they start a new round of tests and examinations, and they give me lots of confused, oh, that's weird. I wonder why that happened, looks and comments. And um, we end up with more places to look, but often not a whole bunch more answers. And what I realized is I have a similar relationship to acting and to auditioning. Um, I actually had an audition come in today and part of me was like, oh, I don't have the brain power for this. I already feel like hell. I don't want to do anything else. But what I realized, you know, I always think how we do anything is how we do everything. The thoughts I'm having about one thing are the thoughts I'm having about somewhere else. So if I'm feeling very victim-y, like why is this happening to me? Why is this so hard? Why me? Which happens a lot when I feel sick and I wonder why I can't spend time in the sun without getting sick. (laughs) Here are the two things, guys. Eating vegetables hurts my body and spending time in the sun hurts my body. And I feel like I live in the upside down world because this is like classic advice for good health is to get some sunshine and eat green vegetables. And both of those things make me feel terrible. And I know some of the reasons why, and I don't know all of the reasons why. So sometimes I'm just like, am I just in some alternate universe? Why can I not be more normal? What is wrong with me? Right? None of that is useful thinking, but that's where my brain goes, which makes absolute sense. And so I was thinking, so right, I get in this victim-y place where I'm like, why me? Why is it so hard? Why can't I just be normal? Why can't this be easy? And an audition comes in and I sort of was like, oh, feeling defeated about auditioning. And I was like, oh boy, what's happening? And I realized I have a similar thing where this excess of hope and pressure and please, 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 please let this audition be the one that changes everything. Let this be the audition that breaks me through. Let this be the one that makes it easy going forward, that solves the puzzle, the mystery of my career, of my acting, of my whatever. And similar to the work I'm having to do with just going to doctors and not getting answers or maybe getting answers slowly but surely, but certainly there has not yet been. (laughs) They often start out being like, oh, we can solve this. And they're like, oh, no, we can't solve this many months later. Um, It's it's sort of letting and this is so true of acting, but also true, I think, of any creative career, like that idea of an overnight sensation and overnight success is such total bullshit. You know, I think there's been studies or research that that say that most overnight quote unquote sensations take 10 years. 
you know, people who really break out when they're 20 have been auditioning since they were 10 years old. And it's taken them that long to prove that they can show up again and again and again and land those lines and be professional. And it's taken them that long to figure out who they are as an artist and what they have to offer and what roles they do best and, and, and meet all the casting directors and all the producers and win them over through a ton, a ton, a ton of auditions before they become the person that someone wants to bank on and say, yes, you are going to be the lead for this TV show or this big movie franchise. So there's never really a thing that just happens overnight. It's always a long slog of small little moments and victories that eventually to the outside world that hasn't been watching this slow iceberg move, um, it feels from the outside or it seems from the outside. And certainly the media loves to spin it as the overnight sensation, but it's never or almost never really that story. And I think most hard-earned things are the same way. If you're writing a novel, often you're submitting it to a thousand, maybe not a thousand, but hundreds of different publishers and getting notes and getting rejections. And maybe you go, um, Elizabeth Gilbert uh, is a writer and she wrote about this in her book, Big Magic, that she had written a short story and submitted it to a ton of places and got rejected a bunch. And then like years later, resubmitted the same story and an editor said, yes, I love this story. And she was like, how nothing's changed about this story. Why now? You know, and what she figured was that. Something about the story the editor had maybe remembered and it suddenly felt familiar or right or appropriate in a way that it hadn't because the editor hadn't encountered it. You know, the first time the editor read it, it had been too new and, and different. And and so, right, so we start to leave a legacy of the things that we are as humans and our voices as artists. And eventually that starts to become known and familiar. And once it's known and familiar to the tastemakers and the gatekeepers, then they start to like, oh, yeah, this, this feels good. This feels right. Let's let's hire this actor. Let's publish this piece. Let's publish this novel. J.K. Rowling, similar story of kind of submitting Harry Potter to a ton of places and getting tons of rejections, right? There's always going to be um, going up against a lot of rejection, a lot of dead ends, a lot of um, not getting the answer that you want to hear. And so much of the work of being an artist, of sharing your voice, your stories with the world is being able to take that rejection and think about it in a way that serves you so that you can show up again tomorrow. And I don't have an answer for what that looks like for you. I'm just here sharing that there are days when maybe quitting is the best option ever. So I was listening to Glennon Doyle, who is one of my favorite authors, and she has started a podcast um, with her sister called We Can Do Hard Things. They started a couple months ago. And it's absolutely phenomenal. It's one of my favorite things to listen to. I find um, I was listening over the weekend and and uh, Glennon had her wife, Abby, on. So she and her sister and her wife were all talking and I just found myself laughing out loud. Um, so it's that kind of a podcast where I was telling my aunt, it's like having really good company. It's just really delightful to me. Glennon Doyle, if you don't know, um, wrote... She's written several books, and uh, the one that I fell in love with was called is called Love Warrior. And kind of a short synopsis of who she is: she um, grew up Christian and kind of started blogging as a Christian mom. So that's part of her background and her story. But she talks about when she was ten years old, became bulimic. When she was in her teens, started drinking and doing drugs. 
when she was a young 20-something, I think 24, found out she was pregnant, quit all the drugs, quit the bulimia, kept the baby, married the guy, had had three kids total, so had two more kids. And 10 years into her marriage, finds out that her husband, the entire length of their marriage, has been having affairs. And this floors her, obviously. And she decides to spend a year before deciding whether to stay or go and figure out what the hell happened and whether she wants to stay or go. And the book that she writes about that year is called Love Warrior. And it's phenomenal. And then as she goes on a book tour uh, for Love Warrior as it's coming out, she's on, I think her first stop on her book tour, she meets Abby Wambach, who is an Olympic soccer player who also wrote a book. And she and Abby just fall madly in love. And so she is on this book tour promoting this book about how she stayed in her marriage because uh, she wanted to, you know, stay in her marriage with this guy. And it turns out that she actually um, is in love with a woman now. And so then I think she wrote a follow up book to that, but certainly talks about in her podcast and then wrote a book called Untamed, which came out right as the pandemic was shutting everything down, actually had a book tour that I was supposed to go to and meet her and hear her speak. Um, right in March of 2020, she was coming to New York and that got canceled. It was one of the first things to get canceled as the pandemic was starting to really roar up and started, she started doing a lot of Instagram and, and interviews. So I, I listened to her during the pandemic. And then um, anyway, so she wrote this book called Untamed and it kind of blew up uh, in 2020 as a book. And it's about unleashing herself from gender identity and the expectations of being female and being small and quiet and accommodating and the ways in which she was taught to be those things and who she really wants to be in the world and what she's trying to teach her daughters and her son to be. And it's also pretty phenomenal. It's a collection of essays. Um, anyway, all that aside, I'm just sharing that I love Glennon Doyle. And if any of those themes or ideas speak to you, check out any of her writing because it's great and or her podcast. Her, her podcast is called We Can Do Hard Things. Um, and they have them around different themes. And one of the themes was called quitting. And here's why I bring it up because, um, Glennon is on talking about how she is a big fan of quitting and her sister and her wife, Abby are diehard, no quitters. They just think quitting is not a thing you ever do because you're like failing yourself. And so the quote that, um, her sister read that, um, essentially, the, the sister on the podcast went out and researched quitting. And hilariously, one of the quotes that came up was Glennon's own quote. And so she shared it and it just resonated. So uh, Glennon had been asked, you know, with things being so hard in the news and everything else, how do you not quit? And Glennon said, oh, I do quit. Quitting is my favorite. Every day I quit every single day. I wake up and I care the most amount. And then at some point, I put it all away and melt into my people and my couch and food and nothingness. And I care not at all. I forget it all. Then I go to sleep and wake up again and begin again. Begin and quit every day. Only way to survive. Embrace quitting as a spiritual practice. Now, I mentioned this also because I realized as I was reading that another amazing thing about Glennon is that she started a nonprofit with her sister and um, they raise money for, you know, people, uh, people in need across the world, people in 
um, going through hurricanes or floods or going through war zones or um, refugees and all kinds of places. And um, so she is someone who is very tuned in to the news, who's who's very much an artist and a sensitive and a big heart and who finds it incredibly difficult to hear how hard being a human is um, and cares very deeply. And I was just thinking about about I like this as a recipe for showing up, for being able to have to kind of, you know, whether it's days, maybe it's like the first three days of the week or the days when you are like a minute, a minute, a minute. And then the last half of the week is when you're like, nope, I quit. And that there's something about the cycle of caring deeply about your art, about other humans, about having something to say, about wanting to be in the world and be seen and be heard. And then there's the flip side, which is when you watch reality TV and you eat whatever it is that feels good to you in your body and you cuddle with whoever it is that feels good to you in your body and you slip into, I'm a learning, I'm an introvert. So like, I love people, but I get really exhausted. And after hanging out with people, I need to like be in a very quiet, dark place where there's very little stimulation because I overstimulate really easily with like sun and noise and people and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, oh, quiet is like my favorite place, right? So if it's that, if it's like being on set is where all of your energy and all of your attention, all of your focus, you have an audition or something like that, and all of that high energy intensity is a beautiful thing to expend. And then I'm like, cool, I'm going to go lie in the grass and listen to something very quiet and soothing or, or curl up in bed. Um, I think there's something about Glennon's idea of quitting as sort of salvation, you know, from all the hard stuff. The only way to care deeply is also to have permission to completely quit in whatever way that looks like for you. And, and it's interesting because I was running into my roommate earlier today and I was talking about how I'm just so angry that I'm so tired and that I have a headache and I feel like I should, there's stuff I want to clean in the living room. There's stuff I want to declutter. There's stuff I want to record a podcast or stuff I want to do creatively. I've got this audition I really want to work on. And part of me just wants to curl up and be tired. And she was like, maybe just curl up and be tired, you know? And like, we all need reminders that like quitting is okay. Quitting was the point for today. And I think the place I get really stressed out is I think, but, but I want to do more. I want to, I, I don't want it's Monday. I don't want my Monday not to matter, quote unquote. I want my Monday to, I want, I want to be productive, right? It's that old capitalist thing of, I want to produce something. I want to show that I've done something with today. Um, and I get that that's a lot of how we, it's a very, I think American Western idea that like our value comes from producing. And I'm certainly guilty of thinking that all the time. And I'm certainly also when I weirdly like feel like I have good energy, but just feel really crappy in my body. It's a bit of a, I don't really want to curl up. I want to, I want to connect. I want to create, I want to have something to say. So these aren't easy things. We don't always are good at giving ourselves permission to quit. And uh, sometimes we need reminders that quitting is a spiritual practice. So here's hoping you good health, good creativity, wonderful friends, good company, or a good bed with lots of quiet and reality TV, whatever it is that you need this week. I'm wishing that for you. Be well. Take care. Mm-hmm.